Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What a day it's been. What a day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 294. KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We know a lot has gone on in the world over the past couple of hours. Um, Hopefully we can be a bit of a mental vacation for you uh, for the next hour leading into... vacation sounds very much so. Looking forward to like 2057 when we all like brain chips and that's how we communicate with each other. And you can just like, instead of going to sleep, you just like travel to like Aruba or something. We could use that future right now. Could use that <laughs> very much so. Um, so hopefully our mental vacation is, it will suffice uh, for the next hour as uh, the Sixers get ready to play a basketball game. Uh, as well as, you know, covering everything else that's been going on. With our, our crazy town of, of sports and everything going on. But of course, this show would not be possible without our incredible local sponsors. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our friends over at Tomahawk Shades. You see me wearing my blue light plus glasses every single time. We are alive every time I'm editing a podcast, anytime I'm just sitting and, and watching TV, I, I make sure to have them on because my eyes feel better when they're protected from those, you know, blue lights that are coming through each and every screen that you're staring at. And if you're working from home, you got to protect your eyes. You only get one pair of them. And uh, Tomahawk Shades just released their new Outlaw and Garrison class of sunglasses as well. Very stylish. Definitely check them out. And we're going to hook you guys up, as we always do, because Tomahawk Shades hooked us up to hook you up. So go over to their website, TomahawkShades.com, fill up your cart, and when you go to checkout, enter our promo code USP. You're going to save 25% off your entire order, and for a limited time only, free domestic shipping on all orders. It's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP, and for a limited time only, free domestic shipping on all orders and check out the new outlaw and garrison classes that are now live tomahawkshades.com and the news broke yesterday we are going to lock it in uh later this week but manscaped re-upped with us you guys came through helped use our promo code as much as possible and uh they're showing out now and are back on board with underground sports philadelphia the entire network So uh, shout out to Manscaped, and as you guys know, support for Underground Sports Philadelphia is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, and that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When we tell you this is premium, guys, we mean it's premium because the battery is going to last you up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you guys listen to Underground Sports Philadelphia or any of our shows on the network, you know we want you to experience the Manscaped experience firsthand for yourself. 
trim that junk of yours, get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. So the Sixers are going to play a game tonight against the Washington Wizards. Second time this season. Uh, and they're off to the best start of any team in the NBA. Yeah, Feels good. Feels good. They haven't played what you would call the hardest schedule in the league, but you can only play who's in front of you. That's the way it is, baby. And um, I think we were all frustrated last year because a lot of these games that we won handedly so far, we would not have won or would have been you know, nail biters with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. You've been kind of able to to tune in and out a little bit with the Sixers games uh, so far this year. It hasn't been tense. It hasn't felt um, uncomfortable to watch too many of them. I think the only game that's made you sick was the Cleveland game. Everything else has been pretty good. So, yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a great start to the season for the Sixers. And it's funny because I think one of the biggest celebrations about this team is the defensive stats. Yep. And that, you know, across the board, and again, it's seven games in the season, you look at the schedule, it hasn't been hard, but coming into last year, everyone was talking about how this could be a historic defensive team when you had Josh Richardson and Al Horford and, you know, Matisse Thibel, like this team is going to be so stacked defensively, and they were just kind of average on defense all year. Uh, they didn't even have like a hot start like this, you know, like a promising one really, defensively at least. Um, so the fact that now this year with just a more balanced team, you're getting, you know, Ben and Joel really engaged defensively. It's it's pretty special, but um, obviously you want to pump the brakes a little bit. But at the same time, being six and one is still being six and one. It doesn't matter. Those wins don't go away or get half counted, especially in a shortened season. You know where a win matters a little bit more this year. And I think this early in the season to see games where Joel Embiid's been able to just kind of you know check out, be done in the fourth quarter, not play a fourth quarter. We haven't seen that. I don't think ever this early in a season. So for that to be Going on right now, you know, credit to Doc Rivers for, you know, realizing like, hey, if he doesn't need to be in the game, we have Dwight Howard. We have, you know, guys like Vincent Poirier who can come in for Dwight Howard and, you know, suffice at the center position. Why are we going to, you know, rack up Joel when we don't need him to play? And I think that is something that over the past couple of years, not a knock to Brett Brown, but it was one of those things where Brett would just drive Joel into the ground early in the season and then come the playoffs Joel wouldn't be at his best, and we've seen what's happened with Joel not being healthy or, you know, not being at his best in the playoffs in some of the games we've seen over the last few I think, years. I think the important distinction there is having Dwight. He's yes. been unbelievable so far as a backup. Um, I, I don't think that's been talked about enough and what that's done for this team because you you can actually give Joel some time, right? And you can allow him to rest. That You're not worried. You know, so many times, I can remember like the Toronto series especially a few years ago, right, where it's like, Anytime Joel was off the court, it was just absolute negative. You know, we, we could only keep him off for a minute, you know, a minute and a half at a time because we were just hemorrhaging points every time he's off the floor. That's not the case so far this year, right? You know, obviously, once we see some more competitive teams and, you know, we're going to see that over the next week where this team plays a lot of you know, more of, you know, the contenders, if you will, um, you know, we'll get to see actually how good this team is on, on some level, but. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had, outside of Dwight, even just the bench that we've had, you know, that, that we have currently. And that's with some players that haven't really, like, bedded in just yet. Like, Furkan hasn't played very much. Like, you still have, like, Mike Scott, obviously, like, integrate. Like, this is still a team that's going to be adding, and that's still very brand new. Like, I, I was advocating for, like, a lot of patience with this team. And that's because, like, there's so much new with it, so many new players, a lot of new coaching staff. So now that you're sitting at 6-1... and one, you know, you pad the stats a little early in the season, it gives you a little more leeway. And, you know, it also gives you a lot of confidence, right? Like, if this team had started off poorly, I can't imagine what the just the atmosphere would be around, right? And just the just the way that we'd be talking about that would be completely different. So, yeah, winning cures a lot of things, and it's going to make you uh, impervious to a lot of things, a lot of criticism that might normally crop up. Um, but this seems very good, you know, and that's that's fantastic. And it is amazing just how much more balanced they look. Obviously, we're going to see some regression because, you know, we have guys shooting like 47% from three. Like, that's just not something that's going to continue. But, you know, I think if we can be as efficient as we've been on offense a lot and as just absolutely dominating defensively as we've been, then that's a good sign. Um, 
yeah, I mean, this, there's not a lot to complain about with this team right now. And the Harden, the Harden rumors have mysteriously kind of <laughs> faded away a little bit, and that's because his team is winning. Right. You know, like there's no, you know, you now you hear like Boston involved in Harden, Miami, Miami, Toronto, like teams that are kind of struggling at the gate. So it's it's interesting that, yeah, okay, well maybe you know I'm not advocating that we don't trade for Harden or anything like that. You know, don't don't listen to what I'm not saying, but there there is it is interesting that no one has really brought up any any kind of Harden Harden trades right now, especially with. The way that I think uh, reigning player of the week, Tobias Harris, has played. I think that was the biggest, you know, dent on this team coming into the season was if Tobias doesn't play well, which he didn't for the first, you know, three games, I'd say, and then he's caught fire, has performed the way that you would want a guy that you're paying $180 million to, to play. He gets the, the player of the week nod. Uh, and you know, he's, he's playing, I think with a, a swagger filled confidence now where it doesn't seem like the weight of the contract and the weight of the team is like on his shoulders where he's not hesitating, taking shots and he's just fluid out there. And it, it looks like the Tobias Harris we saw a couple of years ago with Doc Rivers in LA. He, he seems much more aggressive so far, you know, this season and, and a lot less just indecisive. And that's been really the entire team. You've even seen it from Embiid that like, I think one of his biggest flaws as a player was he makes bad decisions a lot on offense. You know, when he, especially when we're talking about like he gets double teams so often, you know, he often you know, like commits kind of like dumb turnovers or, or kind of holds off on waiting to pass too long. We've seen a lot, some of that eliminated so far this season. You hope to see that continue. And that's like led to a really efficient Embiid and someone that's drawing a lot of fouls that other teams just can't contend with. And that's a huge thing because when you look around the East, there's, there's no one that can really match up with Embiid, especially right. when you think of what Toronto lost. But back to Tobias, he's just been locked in. And, and he's the exact – this is the version of Tobias we need. I don't know if we're going to get this, you know, every night. Again, he's been, I think, on a hot streak. But if if he's just more confident, right, and, you know, who knows if Doc Rivers has, has a part in that. You have to believe there's there's something to that because, you know, he had his career year with him. He's back again. I think it's a much – again, there's a much more balance to this team now. He's not being asked to, to guard, like, tough assignments like he was, right? He's in a more, I think, natural fit for him as a player. And you can't discount that, you know? Like, I think this team is just so condensed last year and so, uh, at times, toxic that, you know, just getting some new faces around or get, uh, getting a new voice or a new philosophy might just be what you need to kind of give everyone a reset. And Tobias, I think, benefiting from that quite a bit so far this season – Probably helps too that there's no fans, you know. Yes, like, like booing every uh, every. Those mistake. early games, if there were fans there, I yeah. don't know what would be going. On. Right, you know. So I just I think altogether there's just been uh, like a lot more confidence in this team so far, and that and that's a good thing. And again, when you start out the season the way you have, now you're running into like a, a tougher stretch of games. You know, you you hope that some of that will carry through and. I mean, you could be like the first team in the league to get to ten wins, which would be spectacular. And again, we talk so much about with a condensed season, how hard this conference is, how hard the division is, you know, if you can build up any kind of lead on, on teams early on, that's really, really good for you later in the season. Which they've done now, because if you look at the standings, the Sixers, like we said, they're the only team, I believe, with six wins in uh, the, the NBA. Lakers just Lakers, Lakers did win last night, game. so they're 6-2, and two, but Sixers only one loss on the year. Uh, they're in first place all alone in the East. You're, you're up on the Celtics, you're up on the Pacers, you're up on a, a Magic team that's playing very well, and you demolish them on New Year's Eve you're up on the Bucks significantly and right now if the season ended today you know teams like the Hawks the Nets the Heat that we talked about preseason would be in like that that bubble realm of in that playoff tournament and the Raptors wouldn't even be in the playoffs right so it's it's a weird start to the year for a lot of reasons right and like you have like these um these like two mini series games, right? And we've seen like lots of players rested. And again, it's it was a shortened off season, so you're gonna see some like weird things like we were looking at so far this year. Um, and some of that might continue a little bit longer, just because a there's players that I think probably thought that the season was gonna be starting later than it mm-hmm. actually did. I think we as fans probably thought that the season was gonna. I I personally didn't think we'd see NBA basketball till like next week, like January. Yeah, like and mid-January. that's what I think Terrence Ross said on his podcast a few months ago, saying, yeah, it looks like mid-January is when right. we're getting started. So, you know, like there's there's that aspect where a lot of guys probably mentally and physically probably weren't really like preparing themselves to be playing again, and it's going to take some time. And especially teams that, 
you know, maybe made new additions. Like not everyone's going to hit the ground running so fast. If you have rookies to bet in that play important parts, um, but you can also see some kind of wonky starts to the year. Like I think the Knicks are going to be, I, you know, like I don't think Julius Randle is going to be winning the MVP this year. Yeah, I don't think the Cavs are actually like a top five defense, but they're they're playing like you know, like there's just going to be some aberrations to start the year. You expect a lot of these contenders to kind of build themselves back up, but it, yeah, it's. It's important, I think, just to get off to, to a good start for that very reason because the East is so condensed, and I, I don't think that you're going to see like a team like the Bucks, and you're seeing it so far this year, but where they're just steamrolling through teams where like the number one seed is pretty much unreachable. You, you're just hoping to get the highest next seed. I think this year you're, you're going to see a much more open race, probably in both conferences, honestly, just because of the nature of the season that it's shortened and that you're going to have guys getting a lot more rest. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Joel, like, you know, tonight gets rest late in the fourth, or if he doesn't even play tomorrow, knowing that you have the Nuggets this weekend. Like, we've, you know, we've and seen And there's that no KD already. on right. tomorrow's no game KD against tomorrow, the Nets, so that kind of changes your defensive alignment. Didn't bother them last night because they still looked great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're going to see a lot of that. And by the way, undefeated in uh, Dad Joel era when he plays, which is an interesting, interesting way of looking at things, but... BDE, Big Dad Energy. <laughs> exactly. He's, I mean, he's looked great. I can't be, like complimentary enough to him this year and just how efficient and good he's looked um just his he just seems really locked in and maybe that's the doc rivers effect maybe that's just a mindset change from him and he's just coming in way more engaged this year i don't know but the sixers team is rolling and that's a really good sign and over the next week when we're back here next wednesday we'll have a really clear idea mm-hmm. of like obviously again it'll only be what like 12 or 13 games in the season at that point um but you know, like we'll get a really good sense of just how where this team stands when they're when you're talking about them amongst the other contenders because you've it's got, first gauntlet stretch we have coming up. Right, you have the Wizards tonight, which they're like a frisky team, but like you know, at best that's like a playoff, uh, like a, a play in. First team. time you're playing against a team outside of the the Charlotte series for the second time this season. Right. right. So then you have the Nets, which is still going to be tough. That doesn't matter that Durant isn't there. The Nuggets, who've struggled so far this year, but we know that's a very strong team. The Hawks, who are just scoring at will on anyone. And then you have back-to-back against the Heat. You know, That's that's a tough stretch, and you're going to learn a lot about this team over the next week. Um, and I hope that we can be... Four out of six at home, too. Right, which is which is. And crucial. I think that Nuggets game being at home rather than out in Denver... Will help. Plays a big part. Helps that, you know, you'd likely see probably Embiid not get the full night off of maybe lower minutes especially if, if you're able to kind of establish a lead but yeah you know as much as I'm not wanting to like kind of over analyze the the first seven games I don't want to over analyze this next stretch either because again you're still talking about you know 13 games into the season trying to make like big arguments and and look so far in the future you know there's still a lot of basketball left to be played and ultimately all that matters is what happens in May in June, right? Hopefully. You know, like that's with with pretty much every team, you know, that's a contender, especially a lot of them in the East. It doesn't really matter, you know, what you do in January. It doesn't really matter what you do in February. What's going to matter is what you do in the playoffs, and that's where the Sixers team is going to have to like really be good. You know, you can go, you can go seventy one and one. It, it, <laughs> no one cares if you can't make it out of the second round. Exactly, and I mean, like we said, this next, this first gauntlet stretch of the season. Wizards tonight, Nets, Nuggets, Hawks, and then two against the Heat. I think this will be that first test we really see of what this team is capable of in terms of just playing against, you could argue, four out of these five opponents will be locked in playoff teams in their respective conferences. And then the Wizards, like you said, would be like a fringe playoff team. And these teams can put up points. You know, you got the Wizards who have Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, the Nets, sure, without KD, but you still have Kyrie Irving, and they have a very good supporting cast. Nuggets, Jokic, Jamal Murray, they put up points. The Hawks, like you said, are scoring at will. And then the Heat, they're off to a bit of an up-and-down start, but it's Jimmy Butler. He's going to he's gonna get up for these games. Um, so, I mean, this is going to put the, the Sixers' defense, I think, in the spotlight. Like, okay, let's see what we can do. Yeah, exactly. You know, they've been lauded so far this season for being as good as they've been. You know, this is where you're going to see, again, when there's such a small sample size, you're going to see a lot of change and kind of those defensive rating numbers and all that. But, I mean, you, you have to trust what this team can do because they are good defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have two guys that could that could very well be, like, all defense, you know, in Ben Simmons and Joel Bede, and both of them 
could in any year make a case for being defensive player of the year, right? Like they're both that good defensively. You know, it doesn't really matter who else is on the team, essentially, when you have those two as anchors of your defensive unit, especially since one's more of a perimeter player, one's more of an interior player, especially defensively. Like, that's that's a really, really good starting place. And it's not like, you know, we've had guys like J.J. Redick right on this mm-hmm. team in the past that have been kind of have to hide them on defense. We don't have a player right now that you have to hide. or You know, is Seth Curry, like, the greatest defender ever? No, but he's at least, like, passable. Right, and you his know, defense has been, I think, above average of what we expected so far. Right, you know, like, he's he's not undersized, really. He's not someone that doesn't have the effort or anything, and that's good. So, yeah, all around, you know, I saw a really interesting comparison that this is just the 17-18 Sixers, but kind of juiced up, you know, like where you're you're replacing, you know, Dario for Tobias, right? And you're replacing Covington for Danny Green. And like, and you're replacing JJ for Seth Curry. Like, if you think about it, that was a great team that we were all really excited about that seemed to really work well together, that was very <laughs> well balanced, and that was good. You know, and obviously had a, a disappointing end of the season, but was young, exciting, like fun to watch. You say the same adjectives now about this team, and I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think... You can build around Ben and Joel. You can find players that fit well next to them, and we're, we're seeing that so far this season. So, you know, let's let's enjoy it. <laughs> right. And, I mean, you look at just the way that they're playing is, is fantastic, but I think they're also having fun playing not with but for each other. The way that, you know, the bench reacts when, when somebody makes a big play. Dwight Howard is just a, a pure comedian on the bench, the way that he reacts after every single play. Um, and these guys just seem to really, really like each other. It's like they, they finally have like all the pieces in place. They have the right glue. It's not like they're using hot glue and they should be using Elmer's glue. Like they, they have it in, in place. And I think this, that's the biggest contrast I see outside of the play from last season to this season is these guys really like playing with each other yeah last year you heard so much about uh like players only meetings and people talk about how there's no chemistry or you know they, they have to kind of accountability come yeah like accountability issues i don't really know where any of that stemmed from because not like this team has changed drastically and i don't think anyone that left is necessarily like someone i'd classifies like not a good team. I mean, we don't know, right? We don't really know what goes on in the locker room, in practice and stuff. But, you know, as much as we don't really care for Al Horford, he doesn't strike me as like a negative teammate. Mm-hmm. Josh Richardson doesn't strike Definitely me as like, a negative teammate. You know, like, I, I don't know where a lot of that came from. I don't know if it's just a combination of like a really crushing playoff loss and kind of just maybe a lack of ambition. I don't know. Um, you know, seeing Jimmy Butler leave, maybe I, you know, who knows, right? It's hard. It's hard to really figure out what went wrong last year, and I'm exhausted thinking about that. I'd rather just worry about what's going right this year. But yeah, it does. It does seem a much different team, like psychologically. Mm-hmm. They do seem more engaged. But you know, again, winning does that to you. And right? I think that's part of the coaching staff too, right? Like, yeah, who is here on this coaching staff, playing a big part in everything, right? You know, and it's again when with with change that we saw this off season, you're gonna see some of that right some of that positive stuff leaking through where it's like all right well this is a new situation for ourselves and for some of these guys too you know it's a completely new situation so yeah it's it's good to find that you know it feels yeah like this is more of a team than it was last year can we talk about six man of the year shake Milton? (laughs) we can sure yeah (laughs) he has looked like it's almost like you know he he evolved from Charmander to Charmeleon in a sense where he was like this lovable guy last year and the year before and then this year he puts on the muscle he talks about it and he's playing with just like Tobias he's playing with a a confident swagger about his game and like he just doesn't care if he's covered he's gonna put up shots and he just has that that sense of like yeah the shot's going in i don't care yeah he has a good edge about him this yes year, right and um i think some of that is probably he feels he should be starting mm-hmm. you know he, he saw kind of opportunities like that last year and now with a new coaching staff right and some new players like he probably feels that he has to earn his spot in a sense right and he's certainly doing that at least on like the, the the bench aspect like he's the first guy that you want off the bench right now pretty much with the Sixers. but yeah he's been He's been very, very good. I've been very impressed with him so far this year. And we've seen flashes of what Shake, you know, like what we're seeing now. We saw that, you know, a few times here and there last year, right? We saw some big games from him. I think 
guys like this, right, can like really and it, let's not forget too, he's young. Like I, right. I, it's weird because we constantly kind of associate him as like more of a veteran player. Like this is what his third year in the league. Like it's not. This isn't like developed some, in the G League. Yeah, the, this isn't some like really far along like guy that's that's been here for a long time. Like you know, he's still working his way and still finding his feet in this league. So he can absolutely we can see you know this being a really crucial developmental year for him. And yeah, I think he's he's taking the opportunity that's before him, and you know. I'd imagine also too drafting Tyrese Max, he probably lights a fire under him as well because mm-hmm. that's you know another guard competing for minutes. You the guard position is one that's quote unquote easy to find on on kind of the free agency or through draft, right? They're not really a rare commodity, but if he can play the way that he is, that's obviously good for the Sixers, and he he can legitimately make a case for Sixth Man of the Year. There's no doubt about it. But um, it's it's he's only 24, right? It's it speaks a lot to just how much improved this team is in such a short amount of time too because if you had asked me two months ago how excited you, i think we even probably asked this very question yeah how excited are you for the sixers season i would said not at all <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd rather be like we were so drained from that team last year we like really were it was it was it was exhausting thinking about yeah. this upcoming season and immediately daryl Moore gets hired and i'm back in yep and we go through the draft He's super night. online yeah we we make Good personnel changes, good draft choices, and boom. The, the team has been – it's not completely fixed right there. I think there are still holes to fill, and I think as we go along, we can build this team even better, right? But this it's a, it's a good team, and it's turned around so well, and we've somehow ended up with a, the best bench that we've had during the Ben and Joel era of being competitive. And it doesn't really feel like we did a lot to get there. You know, we, it doesn't feel like we went out and signed a bunch of players. That, you know, everything we did was kind of trading, you know, my piece for your piece, yeah. my asset for yours, and, and, you know, like drafting a few guys. That's it. You know, we haven't done anything absolutely insane. We didn't blow anything up. You know, we didn't trade Ben. We didn't trade Joel like a lot of people were calling for. We just, you know, traded who we thought should have been traded. You know, I think most fans would have picked to be traded. And then you moved on from there. And you had a, a smart guy making the decisions, which helps. Yeah, I mean, we... We're literally just like, all right, we're going to swap Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, and we're going to swap Danny Green for Al Horford, and we're going to get a couple bench pieces in here, draft Tyrese Maxey because the league messed up and let him fall to 21, and he had arguably his best game the other night against Charlotte. That that steal and slam was artwork, poetry in motion, and then he, it's, you know, more confidence and, and more swagger. He's shooting the three ball now which was the one quote-unquote knock on Tyrese Maxey coming into, you know, his his future NBA career was he doesn't shoot well. The shot form was there. It just, you know, he shot under 30% at Kentucky. But I think once he made that first three-pointer the other night and then going into the second game against Charlotte, making two, shooting from deep and, and finding spots around the floor now, he is developing into, I think, that that scrappy, you know, guy that's going to get a lot more playing time as the season progresses because I saw uh, Derek Bodner tweet, like, I, I don't know what to do watching all these guys that know how to dribble. Like, he possesses skills that nobody else on this team has. By the way, Seth Curry, four for four from three so far. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because Tyrese, too, doesn't, he has, like, a really good feel for the game, mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't – I haven't really seen him make, like, a, a dumb decision. I haven't yeah. seen him, like, make, like, a bad turnover, right? Which, again, he, as anyone, like, you're going to make bad turnovers. We've seen it a ton with the Sixers. Like, we've seen bad turnovers with this team. We've seen this team consistently lead the league in turnovers, and they it, it pisses you off, right? But, you know, you, if there was ever a year to give, like, a rookie a lot of leeway, a lot of patience, it's this one, and I'm still going to do that to, to Maxi. And I think that speaks to how good he's been already. And obviously, you know, it's it's low minutes and a lot of low-pressure minutes. He's not being asked to do a ton, which is good, I think, for his ultimate development, that he's not, it's not a ton of pressure on him to perform right away and be leading the line. But we've seen him have really good moments off the bench, which is, you know, inspiring for me because, again, such a quick turnaround from the draft to the season. I mean, a month and a half ago, we didn't know what NBA team he was going to be on. I think we should be actually very thankful that March Madness got canceled last year because this is the type of player that gets his stock to rise, you know, like when Mm -hmm. he's playing in the Sweet 16, when he's playing in the Elite Eight and making big plays and showing everyone how clutch he can be, right? Like, 
that's the type of guy. I can remember De'Aaron Fox, right? It was like a, a similar guy like him that maybe before March Madness was on people's minds for sure. You know, you, again, you have plays in Kentucky, obviously. Like, people are going to be interested in that. And people, he's already a lot of eyes on him. But people saw the way he played through that tournament. They saw the emotion that he played with, the aggression, that Lonzo Ball matchup. That sticks with people. I don't care. I don't care what you want to say. Like, the people drafting see those games too and get stuck on guys like that. And I think Tyrese Maxey could have very well been one of those players that could have risen out of our reach. I didn't even think it was going to fall to us regardless. But yeah, I think if March Madness happens last year, Maxey's not on this team because I think someone sees you know, a lot of the energy that he brings and, and is getting him on their team much sooner. But I'm thankful for it because I love to have him here. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of March Madness too, March Madness seems like it's going to happen. It's going to be in a bubble in Indiana. Uh, we're trying to maneuver our way into March Madness because our intern Harrison goes to Indiana University, right? He, he, I was uh, recording with him yesterday, and he was like, dude, the arena is literally right there. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're going to figure something out then. Uh, so stay tuned for potential March Madness content from us, uh, live from the, the bubble. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tyrese just seems like, and I think... Like I said before, the the coaching staff being who it is and them just working so diligently with everybody on this team from Sam Cassell to uh, his relationship with like Ben Simmons and then even the, the bench players like Dwight Howard and Ben Simmons literally being like shoot-around buddies before and after games I think is something that Ben never got from anybody on this team and I think it, it's helping – in a sense of, like, Ben doesn't have that pressure of, you know, I have to go out and, you know, people are going to expect me to shoot threes. It's not going to happen. Where Dwight's like, yo, work it what you're good at. And we'll work on the shooting. And when it's there, like we saw on New Year's Eve when Ben hit the three, it'll come. And I think getting that from a player perspective, like a veteran like Dwight Howard, is invaluable in a sense. I think Dwight also has... An interesting career in that. I mean, we forget 10 years ago, this was the most, a superstar. Yeah, he was the center in the league. Like, how we think of Anthony Davis is how we thought of Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it two or three straight Defensive Player of the Year awards? He went to the finals with Orlando. I think at times got unfairly cast as like a diva. But, you know, it's not to say that he hasn't had some issues, right? And that he hasn't had some potentially like maturity issues. He's made some, some bad decisions in his life, which is whatever. You make your peace with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to learn from someone, it's someone that has had the career that he has had where he's been at the very top. And I think at times he's been about as low as you can get while still being in the league in terms of people's opinion of him. And I think someone like that has a lot of wisdom to instill in someone like Ben and, and any young player too. And I think it was, my question was always about, is he going to be able to kind of being as engaged as he was in LA last year on, on the Sixers team? And it seems very much like, yes, he is. And he's being a leader on this team, which is impressive. Just as a side note, the Celtics uh, walked off the court in a Miami, so it doesn't seem like Boston and Miami are going to be playing tonight. Good for them. Yeah, it's a little, it is a little surprising that games are being played today. Yes. I guess life goes on. I guess if, if, if the players don't feel like playing, they ain't got to play. Yeah. Um, good for the – Or are they back? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is that game in Boston or in – I believe it is in Miami. Okay. I believe it is in Miami, but apparently they're back on the floor. We'll keep you updated. We'll keep you posted while we're live. But uh, right now, Sixers leading uh, near the end of the first quarter, 31-22 to over the Wizards. Um, but, I mean, I, like we've been saying, just I think the leadership change on this team has done so much for this early start of the season that it's going to continue. And I think the, the players on this team, they respect and they – value what doc brings to the table and everything that he's been able to do with just you know we were talking about tobias earlier i think a lot it was kind of like a an oversight comment but everyone was questioning you know tobias early in the season and doc was like he'll be fine and just kind of blew off any type of you know negative story or negative you know persona around tobias's play and to have that confidence in a guy, I think that does wonders for them, and you see what Tobias is doing now, and I think that plays a big part in in why this team is succeeding is just the confidence Doc has in these guys. Yeah, I mean, 
Doc himself is a player. Mm-hmm. He's coached a lot of great teams over the last you know fifteen years. He's been a part of great teams. He's a guy that like knows what to say. Like he's he's very like calculated in in the way that he speaks. Right. He had something very beautiful to say uh, pregame today, and I think it's very poignant. Um, yeah, he's he's a well spoken guy. He's I think he's always going to pretty much say the right thing. Um, at least while he's with the team, when he's left some teams, he's had you know maybe <laughs> throwing some players under the bus, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it, I think we mentioned this earlier that Tobias had his career year under Doc, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he's seeming to find his feet again under Doc Rivers. And sometimes players and coaches can have that kind of good connection, or just he fits well with what Doc wants to do. And let's not forget too, Tobias is a good player. Yes, like the issue I have with a lot of the discourse around Tobias is you. Name me a negative about him that isn't his contract. Because mm-hmm. as a basketball player, he's a, good, he's a good basketball player. He's just, yeah, whatever. He's overpaid, but who cares? Like, first of all, not my money. Second right. of all, we were never going to let him walk anyway. So, like, paying You gave him up is, too much for him. Yeah, like, you know, you can we can have that discussion all the time. But it, I am also, like, I am over, like, just valuing players for what they're being paid and not right. what they can do. And, yes, Tobias has struggled on the past. I think that there can be criticism of the way that he's played at times for the Sixers. But if this is the Tobias we're going to get from here on out, like, it doesn't really matter what he's paid anymore because it, who cares? Like, as long He's as, playing up to the contract and nobody has anything to complain right, about. Right. Like, if he's, if he's playing well and he doesn't even have to be playing as well as he has, if he's just giving you, like, 21, 22 a night, like, that's that's great. Like that's that's what you need from him. That's what you, just what you want from him mm-hmm. to be efficient and to be aggressive. Yeah. And I, again, I think he's another player that's benefiting a lot from the kind of restructure of the team, right? And I think, you know, again, when we're talking about Tobias or Horford, which one would you rather move off of the, this summer? This is why it was Horford, and this is why it ultimately was Horford because I think this team exists still and can can actually play good basketball with Tobias on the team. He can he can be your third guy. He can absolutely. absolutely be your third guy. Speaking of players that Doc has thrown under the bus, it just popped in my head. When Doc first got here and first met Jake Milton, do you think he just walked up to him, gave him a nice tap on the back, and said, you're the man? <laughs> Very may well. Very well may have. For anybody that listens and is not on Twitter, there is a recurring Sixers Paul George meme that said, you know, Paul George crying out for help because he's being locked down by Shake Milton. Um, shocking Heisman news last night. Future Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith wins the Heisman, uh, which I saw a lot of people come out and say, you know, good on him because that award, I think this is the first position player to win it. If I'm not mistaken, I will look it up, but since Reggie Bush. I think it was the first wide receiver. I don't remember who it was, but I think it was since 1990. Yeah, which, which is, is crazy. I mean, it makes sense. Like, quarterback, especially college quarterbacks, they can have, like, super inflated stats. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, especially if you're, like, an Alabama or LSU guy and you're just you, – you throw for, like, 78 touchdowns in a season. Like, who cares? Um, I am wrong. Derrick Henry won in 2015. Derrick Henry is – I mean, look at the guy. Speaks for itself. <laughs> He's unbelievable. The manimal himself, really. But – yeah, he's he's impressive, and um, maybe Eagles should do the right thing, <laughs> and and just and and give what it takes to to go for him. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting when you when we start really talking about the draft for the Eagles because we're locked in now, right? I mean, are we gonna do we want to touch at all on the absolute disgrace <laughs> of the absolute just the embarrassment, the the gall. The disgusting decision to to not win a completely meaningless game. Man, I'm revoking my Eagles fandom because of it. It is just when when Golden Tate is questioning the integrity of your team and of a way you performed, coming from a wholesome wide receiver who took steroids, PEDs, and was suspended by the league for four games. And has some you, questionable hat wear choices. You, you, you have to, you just have to give it to him. You know, when Darius Slayton is tweeting at Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive backs at midnight saying he doesn't want to see any catches made by Washington football team wide receivers the following week, you just got to hand it to him. It's when Joe Judge oh goes to his God. press conference 
and and questions everything and and says you know you play for integrity you play to win the game yeah mr mr spygate and deflategate really throwing around that that <laughs> with his, i word with his tainted clanging jewelry walking around oh my god what a despicable franchise no but see kyle the giants play really hard for joe judge like they play like so hard like they went six and ten kyle like, six they and des- ten they deserve, they, they deserve to be in the playoffs to be in the playoffs they deserve to be there they absolutely they earned it. it they earned it it's it's so stupid and it, you know the the tanking thing too. There's certain like sports that get like real like sanctimonious about like some aspects of the game. You see this a lot in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily about tanking, but about like the integrity well, the, of the game, the, like, the unwritten rules of the game, the integrity of the game. We've seen some of that fairly questioned when you talk about the Astros, right? But you know, like the, the people get on these like soapboxes and preach about what the integrity of the game is and how you don't do that. You don't, you don't go out there and do that. You, you die on the field if you have to, it's like, well, no. Um, <laughs> and also like every team is doing that. And it's, it's so hilarious because we're talking about in the same season where the jets blitzed on fourth and what 32 to lose yeah, the game, the to final stay, play of the game, to stay in the race for, for Trevor Lawrence, which they ultimately ended up losing out on. Like you're telling me the Jaguars are really giving it their best. Like why were the like why like, they have a carousel of quarterbacks this year? Yeah, especially when uh when what's his name was healthy. Yeah, when uh, Gardner Minshew yeah. came back and and was he ready just to came, roll. They were like, "Oh, his thumbs hurt." And then it was like, "All right, whatever. I guess we're going to watch Mike Glennon." And then he just came back in when Mike Glennon got hurt. It was like, "He's been healthy this whole time. What is <laughs> what is that?" Like it's just All right, like if you want to like call out tanking in football whatever, if you want to say that it's a sport where you can't tank because of like the physical stakes that are involved, whatever. It's stupid, but we can have that conversation. But at the end of the day, like, it's just so hypocritical to do that when last year the Giants were tanking, when this year you're talking about tanking for Trevor. And I don't care that it's the fans saying tank that. Tank for Tua. Yeah, tank for Tua was like a thing. Lose for luck. Like, I, I don't Dan ca- Orlovsky, I, I, I like Dan Orlovsky, but he had some stones to come out and say what he did. When two months earlier was talking about the Jets need to do whatever it takes to not win a game. That's what I don't get. And he was a starting quarterback for the Colts when they won the two games to get Andrew Luck. That's what's so stupid. It's like everyone everyone openly admits that it's okay to tank in those situations, but not for the Eagles to do it. Why? Because the Giants were like on, on the verge? Like, no one cared that the Steelers sat all their starters allowing the Browns to win. Patrick Mahomes didn't play in Week 17. Meaning that the Dolphins lost down the playoffs yeah. because of that. Like, no one's no one's up in arms about it. That's what I don't get is just the hypocrisy of it. I think because it's, you it know, Sunday night it's football. New York media, right, which which doesn't help. And, the like, the New York fan mm-hmm. base, well, the New Jersey fan base, really. Um, that doesn't help. It was Sunday night, right? The Eagles are already, like, a pretty hateable like team If that happens at 1 o'clock. No one cares. And then there's 4 p.m. games after it. It's Nobody cares. It's just, it's just lame, and I, I just wish people would be more honest when they're like complaining about this kind of thing. Because like, you're not mad about the tanking. Like, don't give me this BS about mm-hmm. who's the integrity of the game. No, you're just mad because you didn't make the playoffs. Sal Palantonio calling for the NFL to oh open an investigation God. about the Eagles tanking. Like, what are they gonna do? They did what was good for the organization, and that was instead of having the ninth pick in the draft, that was getting the sixth pick in the draft. And to put it into context. To, to move up from probably nine to six costs you a, a hefty price along with pick swapping, which probably would have been the equivalent of last year, say the Eagles don't get in the playoffs, of being able to draft CeeDee Lamb over Jalen Rager. It's just, it's so stupid. And it's dumb. again, it's so hypocritical because, again, we've spent this entire season talking about tanking for Trevor Lawrence. You can't watch any, like, any, any like football program about talking about the Jets, talking about Trevor Lawrence, talking about Justin Fields. Like, you don't escape. And it's every year, too. Every Mm -hmm. year. Whenever there's a a top quarterback prospect. Again, we just talked about Tank Fortua. You go back every year and talk about these guys and talk about what it means to to get a a, a franchise-altering quarterback on your team. It's okay when those teams do it. Yep. It's not okay when another team. You can't. You don't get to police that. You don't get to say one thing's acceptable and one thing isn't. And by the way, the Eagles thing wasn't even that egregious. Like, everyone's acting like it was like... They they, and it was they were going to score a touchdown and they, and they kneeled or something you know like it's it's just so stupid. It was known before the game that Nate Sudfeld was going to be active and was going to play in the game. So for everybody coming out and saying, oh, you know, Carson Wentz should have been put into the game, he wasn't even active. 
He was a healthy scratch. Why are you going to play a guy that is potentially on the trade block? There, there's no need for it. Everyone knew Nate Sudfeld was going to be active for that game. Jason Kelsey came out on Instagram today and said just that, that we knew at some point Nate was going to play in the game. We just didn't know when. And it seemed like anybody who was not dressed for that game for the Eagles was not in on the game plan. I think somebody reported on that as well. So Miles Sanders coming out and saying that it was you know ridiculous that they pulled Jalen Hurts and players were mad and all this. If the, if you were not dressed for that game, you had no insight on what was going to happen. So there's no room for you to speak on, you know, the the moves that were made. So and what, come April, you're going to be thrilled if the Eagles take a a blue chip player that's going to help this franchise get better for the next ten years. Yeah, everyone everyone crying about it, saying that how hurt they are by uh, the Eagles fans. I'm saying won't be upset when Devontae right. Smith is an Eagle in a few months or Jamar what is, Chase. Or, what is, what does this mean though? I think there are some real consequences because I, I agree with what you said, but I do think there are certainly players that are probably upset mm-hmm. by perhaps not getting a chance or, you know, maybe just we know, at least from what we hear and this conflicting reports, no matter who you talk to, pretty much doesn't seem like the best, a little bit like the Sixers last year. It doesn't seem like the best locker room culture right now. And we've heard that, you know, rumblings about that through the last few years, right? Some guys still stuck in 2017, whatever. What's next now? Because right, like Doug Peterson, I've heard so much about him potentially being gone. We know that Howie Roseman, it seems like, is going to be staying regardless of, of what happens. There's um, your first mistake. Although if you're going to launch an investigation, maybe you know, maybe we should. Maybe we should welcome an investigation, right? And maybe <laughs> you just turn some stones or something. Um, but what's next? Because this team has to move forward now, right? Like it's a toxic end of the season. A confusing one, and I don't know that there's really a lot of answers either. Like Jalen Hurts has looked good, but it's a few games. You don't know. Like Drew Locke looked good last year through the last few games mm-hmm. of the season. They, the the Broncos thought they had something in him, and he stunk this year. So that's my question now: is it's what's next, and there's going to be some really really big decisions to make, you know, in the next few weeks. Yeah, months, and I think really. we'll start to see it. I believe Tom Pelissero today was on the Pat McAfee show and said that we could start to hear you know, talks and, and reports and rumors uh, from Carson Wentz's camp in the next week or two. So that, I think, will be one of the first dominoes. I think Doug Peterson's back. I think he he won the battle in terms of, you know, I, I think there's going to be a, a massive overhaul with this coaching staff. We saw today uh, Rich Gangarillo, his contract's going to expire. He won't be back. Jim Schwartz, his contract expired. He won't be back. Uh, he's contemplating retirement. I'll let you guys know now. He's not retiring. He's getting the hell out of Dodge and avoiding any, you know, just demise of this team while he can. Smart move by him. Um, but I think this offseason is going to spell a lot of change for what we know of this current makeup of the Eagles. I think there's going to be some some people that, you know, we, are, we saw already, I think it was Ian Rappaport or... Pelissero or somebody reported that the or no, it was Mike Garofalo said Alshon Jeffrey and Malik Jackson restructured their contracts so that it's less of a cap hit and they're gonna be moved on from come June first. So already seeing some contributors to this team over the past couple of years that won't be back clearing up cap spakes, which I mean Howie Roseman is quote unquote known for but it's mostly just kicking the can down the road, so we'll see what it eventually leads to. Um, but this team is in—they're in cap hell. They're old, and they don't really have a lot of young talent that has shown promise on this team. And and that's why I think this draft is super important. And that that end of season press conference Howie Roseman gave on Monday was not uh, the best, I would say, in his tenure with the Eagles he's he's pretty good at talking to the media typically and I think he put his foot in his mouth multiple times throughout that that press conference there's two names that I think uh probably a lot of Eagles fans thinking about I'm thinking about right now Carson Wentz Zach Ertz are either of them I don't think Zach Ertz is and I've said I think I've been on that all year I I I don't I don't see his future long term here in Philly Carson though is an interesting yeah I mean, I. You could talk to the cows come home, honestly, about what to do with him and choosing between him and Jalen Hurts, and there's 
very serious pros and cons to, to, to no matter what decision you make because you could very well be just missing out on a great quarterback and moving him on practically paying to get rid of him mm-hmm. and not really have what you think of Jalen. or you could be missing out on Jalen Hurts being like an electric quarterback that you should be moving towards you know, like it's I don't it's almost like a lose-lose situation because I think no matter what you pick you're you're losing out on something but that's that's an interesting minefield to have to cross this offseason that I'm glad I don't have to be yes. in charge of. <laughs> it is it's those guys, it's you know, is Jason Kelsey going to retire? You know, there there are a number of questions for a lot of older players on this team. And by older I mean, you know, those thirty plus year old veterans. Is Brandon Brooks going to be back following two Achilles injuries? You know, there's there's a multitude of questions for this Eagles roster going into this offseason to one, clear up cap space, two, are they going to be part of this next rendition of the Philadelphia Eagles? And Howie Roseman, you know, has to answer to a lot of this. And it's one of those things where uh, it's you can't maneuver money around like it's a credit card. You know, you can't open up one here and then say, oh, well, if I transfer money from this card, put it here that solves my problem. No, you still are going to have to pay it all back. And that's where the Eagles are at right now. Um, so, I mean, the, the loyalty to these older players mindset has to be wash your hands of it and be done with it as an organization. You know, you have to really evaluate guys in a sense, moving forward after you've seen kind of the demise of this team, where do they stand from performance on the field they can be a great human you can be friends with them after their their time here is done whatever it may be if if they're not giving you what you're paying them to do on the field you gotta find somebody else yeah it's definitely be some uh some guys going up to a nice farm in upstate new york you know <laughs> definitely gonna be some of that some going to indianapolis mm-hmm. nice nice dome yeah playoff I don't team think indianapolis is the worst city in america yeah you know Worst places be. I think Carson Wentz would. Carson Wentz <laughs> does seem like an Indiana guy. I'll just say that. I think this part of the podcast I recorded with Harrison got uh, deleted. Shout out to Skype. But I, I had a hot take about because we talked about the Eagles' schedule next year, and their opponents, you know, were were announced and everything, and they're locked in. And I think next year's schedule is even more difficult than who, who do they play next? So year? next year their schedule looks like this. Obviously, you have the the divisional games and everything, um, but you're you've got matchups with the NFC South and the AFC West. Oh, so the home games are Cowboys, Washington Football Team, Giants, New Orleans, and Tampa come to Philly. Kansas City and the Chargers come to Philly, and then the Forty ers Oh no 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 no! The away. <laughs> All the division games, the Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, you go to Vegas, the Broncos are away, and then Detroit, and then if there is that 17th game put into the season where it's an 18-week season, uh, either home or away would be the Jets. All right, well, that's a little better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's that schedule For a last-place schedule, that is the, the worst draw. I, even though the Broncos aren't very good, it's not a team – their defense that is be stellar. Like relishing to play. Yeah, Von Miller will be back next year, hopefully at least. They might have a quarterback. Be, yeah, they'll probably address the quarterback issue. And like outside of quarterback, like the they team has skill, skill position. position players, like for sure. Damn, that's a that's tough. That's that's a, and, and the NFC South is always, I think, a, a tough play. Like, man. <laughs> Oof. And I said because the 49ers are on the schedule, they. Yeah, that's going to be potentially looking for a new quarterback. That's also a team that isn't going to be as broken down as they were right. this year, right? But they're, they're, they're likely going to be healthy and not COVID-ridden and playing in Santa Clara, not Arizona, right? Um, but and I not have s- uh, massive wildfires. Yeah, for, you know, <laughs> what a year. I said, uh, I don't think it's being discussed enough. I don't really know their cap situation too well, but who's to say he fits their system? What I think to a T. Dak Prescott going to the 49ers. Oh, I thought you said trade Carson. <laughs> oh, I mean that that there too. 
But I think the Cowboys keep Dak. I think you I th- think so. I think they saw Dalton. They're like, all right, we are not prepared to <laughs> live a life without him. They Jerry's look- comments. He is continuing to say, you know, we got to pay guys on this defense, and that takes away money to pay other players on this team. I'm just saying. I think. Uh, listen. I would love it if they lost Dak. Oh, I absolutely! Think that's a great. I mean, that's a for an Eagles fan. That's a great decision. Yeah, because then you can actually like willingly like root for Dak right. in every game except against the Eagles. I just I I don't I don't see them letting Dak even with the injury stuff, even with maybe having to to pay him with some uncertainty about his like future. I don't know how you do it. It would be I wild. Really, I don't know how you do it because what what's your alternative? You hope Philip Rivers is like, you know, healthy <laughs> well, enough. Well, everybody's to talking about because the the Lions are potentially moving on from Stafford. Right. He goes back home and plays for the Cowboys. But what is what is Stafford like? I like Matt Stafford, mm-hmm. I, but like I think he's a good quarterback. But like to me, that's not also like stuck a, in Detroit. But yeah, but that's not a guy that's like I'm pining for. Like, mm-hmm. what's the difference between Matt Stafford and Dak Prescott coming off an injury? Yeah, Matt Stafford, who's perennially injured, like always, right. you know, and he plays through it. But I, it, like, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't think Matt Stafford is like the answer. I don't. Oh you yeah, know, it's but it is the Cowboys. So right. they, they're open to doing almost the unpredictable every single time they, they put their the, fingers on the wild. But you know, also everyone's looking for a quarterback. It's not like you know you're just going to be able to to get whoever you want. Like Matt Stafford is like the acquisition, and that's it. Like. <laughs> There's yeah. no other names. I, you know, you're not. Are you gonna go like kick the tires on Jimmy Garoppolo? Like I, I think he's going back to New England. I just I don't. And watch for Cam. And, and that's another. That's another team that that needs a quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Washington football team's Carolina. Carolina is likely gonna need a yep. quarterback, right? Like we don't know what's gonna happen with Indianapolis and Philip Rivers. We don't really know what's happening with New Orleans either. You know, yeah. Like, there's tons of teams that, <laughs> that you could make the argument. Denver, that we just talked about. Need Twelve a teams could need a quarterback. It's just, it's. I don't know. Kirk it's and that's what I'm saying. Agent. It seems like a dumb idea to just let. As much as we may not want to admit it, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Yeah, you don't just let that guy walk out the door. Absolutely. You know? And then go be like the next Drew Brees, where you know, he yeah, had really rough injury and succeed with Kyle Shanahan. Right. Um. But yeah, that Eagle schedule is brutal. Um, Sixers currently winning 61 to 49 late in the second quarter. Uh, so all things looking good there. Um, they just keep rolling and it's great. Shake Milton has 14 points. Look at protein shake. Um, I think that's all we got for you guys. We got some announcements, uh, on some things coming on our social media and on podcasts. So make sure you are, uh, checking us out on social. We're giving away a Joel Embiid jersey. It is 2021, the year of Embiid. So we're giving away a Joel Embiid jersey. It is the year of Embiid, isn't it? Be a friend, tell a friend. Spread the word. All you got to do is retweet and follow us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. And then uh, if you have Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Leave a five-star review with your favorite Embiid memory. And if you are a Android user, use Spotify. Just show us proof that you follow us on Spotify. Um, so check out the giveaway. We are announcing the winner on January 21st. Fitting the Embiid number. Um, but Joel Embiid, jersey of your choice. So be a friend, tell a friend at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure you're checking out Instagram too. Richie's been doing uh, a new IGTV series post Sixers games called Unplugged Shot Clock, just kind of breaking down the game in a condensed, like three to four minute uh, breakdown with highlights and just his analysis of the game. So check that out on Instagram and follow him on Twitter at Richie rib 23 and uh, check out the website underground sports, Philadelphia.com. Harrison just hit me up. He's got a flyers blog coming up flyers back next week, week from today, I believe. So January 3rd. Yep. We'll be, we'll be back on the ice with the flyers God. and uh, hopefully they, they don't disappoint. Someone's got it. Someone will. (laughs) Well, that was the Eagles. Right. Well, you know, the torch typically does get passed. It does. And that's the Phillies just being dormant. Yeah. What a team. Uh, Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Drop a five-star rating and review. Let us know how you feel about the the team's situations going on right now. And enter the giveaway. Part of the giveaway is subscribing and uh, dropping a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which 
found out if we are getting new reviews on Apple Podcasts, they take away reviews to tell you that, and then they pump them back in. It's super weird. Shout out to Jack Fritz for letting me know that, because I was like, why are we losing <laughs> five-star reviews and things like that when we are allegedly gaining them, and then they just show up in droves? I was like, all right, that's... All right, Steve Jobs. <laughs> uh, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me at KBICZL311. And uh show would not be possible without our local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our friends at Tomahawk Shades, TomahawkShades.com. Use our code USP to get 25% off your order. And for a limited time, all orders, free domestic shipping. And then our friends over at Manscaped, let your balls thank you. And treat them with Manscaped. Promo code USP gets you 20% off and free shipping. Very excited for our next chapter with Manscaped as they're back on board with us for 2021. And uh, we'll catch you guys later this week with whatever the hell happens with these sports teams. Everybody stay safe. I know we have listeners in D.C. If you are in D.C., be careful, be safe, be smart. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. This has been episode number 293 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace.